Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. God, I pray that this morning that they would grasp a hold of that we serve a God that loves us. That even in the midst of our midst, uh, uh, even in the midst of being in a mess, and even in the midst of being in a place where we've screwed some things up, God, I feel in my heart you always look down and say, but you're still mine. You're still mine. You may be messy. You may have messed up, but you're still mine. God wanted me to tell somebody today that you're still his. But you need to come back. God, I pray if there's anybody in the day, in, in the room, God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray, for the, I pray for the addict that's bound up in sin, that's bound up with something that they can't control. I pray, God, that there's freedom in the room today. That they repent of that sin and you're faithful and just to forgive them of their sin and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. God, I pray for that broken person. That one that's just keeping it together by the hair on their chinny chin chin I speak to that one that single mom that single dad that that marriage that's it's in a struggling place God I pray that today God as they hear encouragement from the word of God that you break the yokes of bondages of sin and death the anointing that's in the room God, move mightily in our midst today. Thank you, God. The cross has the final word. And that there is joy in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm so happy you came to church today. All right. All right. Well, you may be seated. How many of y'all thankful to be here today? I'm thankful for fall. Weston, I'm thankful that the flies are dying. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. But I, am, I, I, I will say uh, summertime. Well, hello. Summertime is my absolute favorite, but uh, I, do, I do like fall. And I'll tell you what I love about fall. I, I love pumpkin everything. All right, you may not be that pumpkin flavored. I mean, I like pumpkin burritos. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and there's, you know, I love it that, you know, you're in that transition and your electric bill. You know what I'm talking about? Where you were spending, you know, bukus on electric bill and then you make it to September, October and you really ain't got to turn on the heat yet. You can still keep it on the AC and it's, it's just right. But my favorite thing about fall is harvest. And I'm not talking about, you know, beans and sugar beets and corn and all of that stuff. I'm talking about a harvest of souls. And if you would get in agreement with me that I believe that in this house and arena of life, I, I'm believing for your sons, your daughters, there's family members in your life coming into the harvest field. But you know, in order for that to happen, you've got to get in the field to harvest it. And so I want to encourage you, get out there, invite people to come to church. And um, today I'm starting a brand new series called He's 
coming back. And I'll be the first one to tell you, being raised in the church, uh, if you want to freak out teenagers, you talk about the rapture. Um, And I also want to go ahead and put this back. The Lord really put this on my heart, just whether it be at the barn or talking to neighbors or talking on the phone and then Pastor Mark. How many of y'all were blessed by the ministry of Pastor Mark last week? <clears throat> Pastor Mark Trice, he said, uh, Jesus is coming back and I can prove that to you in scripture. And so it really was put on my heart that, man, I need to talk about this because uh, if you were here in Bible school, I, I did a series on Hebrews chapter six. And in that Hebrews chapter six, he says, we need to put away the elementary teachings and we need to bring on the fundamental things in our faith. And he talks about faith in God. He talks about the laying on of hands. Uh, those are so important things. He talks about the, the, the doctrine of washings, which is baptism. Not, there's not one baptism. There's three baptisms. But he talks about the resurrection of the dead, and he talks about eternal judgment. And he puts this in the top six things that we as believers, it needs to be a pillar in our walk with Christ. And this needs to be a pillar. And, and I'll be honest with you, I believe there's people that get in so many ditches. Like you, if you've, uh, I've been on TikTok and I, I, so a lot of my stuff is spiritual things and there's pastors that get in the ditch, like they get in the ditch that it's all about baptism. You, if you want to get healed, you've got to be baptized. If you want to be delivered, you got to get baptized. Or, or if you want to get delivered, you got to do communion. If you want to, you know, if you want to get to heaven, you got to do communion. And I, I'll just tell you, there's ditches that, but I want to tell you here at Arena of Life, and you'll see that this morning. I believe in the whole counsel of the word of God. Do I believe in communion? Yes. Do I believe in baptism? Yes. But the, my, my main focus is Jesus and what he did for us. Amen. And so uh, I just want to tell you right off the bat, he's coming back. In fact, if you go ahead and put that graphic up here that Yinley, not Lucas, made of uh, the other one. I thought this was good. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger with Jesus' head, and he said, I'll be back. All right? So, uh, and the reason that I thought that would be fun, because I'll tell you, being raised in the church, Jesus was coming back next year, and then he was coming back the next year. I remember, y'all might remember this, but in 1988, a guy wrote a book, 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back. I hate to tell you this, he was wrong. <laughs> All right? But... Also, too, I remember Y2K. You remember Christians went crazy in Y2K. I remember this is, y'all may have been raised in a normal home, but I can tell you Y2K, everybody's freaked out by uh, stacking up water everywhere. Y'all remember this? All right, some of y'all are too young in the room, but uh, stacking up water, and I can tell you where I was. December 31st, 1999, at 11.59 p.m. Normal people were celebrating. I just knew Jesus was coming back. I was on my hands and knees saying, God, forgive me for saying that curse word in history class. <laughs> God, forgive me. And, 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 you know, and that something happened in 2012, the Aztec Indians. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you is this. No one, no one, no one, not even Jimmy Evans knows the day or the hour that Jesus is coming back. No one knows. All right? There's many of you that, that there's people that came to me. I heard Jesus coming back September 24th. Did he leave you an email? Did he send you a text message? What happened? All right? But there's people out there because that's the Feast of the Jubilee. That's the Feast of the Trumpets. And, and there's people that believe that. But I'm going to be the first one to tell you, I will never get on that boat. Do I believe we know the day and time? No, we don't. But we do know the season. 
And can I tell you, we're living in a season. We are. And we have for quite some time. And Jesus could come back this afternoon. Jesus could come back while we're preaching, while I'm talking this morning. He could come back at the end of the year. He could come back in five years. It could be 10 years. But I do believe this. We're in a time. And, and, and this morning, I mean, just like one of the, th- and I'm going to be talking about over this next couple of weeks about the signs and the times of where we are in Matthew 24, the love of many will wax cold and, and uh, wars and rumors of wars and things that are happening. But just like today, September 11th, 20, 21 years ago of what happened here, that's, I'm telling you, that is prophecy that is being fulfilled if you just look into the word of God. And you need to know this, that I'm not going to be talking about my opinion this morning. In fact, it was very hard for me to pinpoint this down. I've studied this text many times over. And uh, this was really hard for me to really not just share tons and tons and tons of scripture. But you need to know this, that one third of your Bible is prophecy. In fact, right now, we won't go there this morning, but I shared this this morning in Ezekiel chapter 38. 3,000 years ago, he prophesied what's happening right now in Russia. Yeah, I mean, you can just study it out, but 3,000 years ago, he prophesied about Gog and Magog. You can read about it. It talks about the people of the north and the kings of the east, like the alliance that's happening between Russia and China and them coming against Israel. Did you know? I mean, you can, you can study some things that are happening in Israel today, but off the, course, off the coast of Israel is Russian ships. Talking about things that are happening in the Valley of Jehoshaphat or the Valley of Judgment, which it will be the, um, uh, the Battle of Armageddon. I mean, things are lining up in place for the coming of Christ. And so I, this morning, the first thing I want to tell you this, this is not to scare. This is to prepare. Amen. And the first thing that I want to tell you this morning, and that's why I wanted to be fun with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back, is this. This is not a story of fear. It's a story of faith. And can I tell you, growing up in the church, I always thought that this was like a scary thing. This is an exciting thing. I mean, I'm telling you, this is fun. This is not a story of horror. This is a story of love that God wants to spend with his people. There is over 300 references in the New Testament of the coming of Christ. There's, of, the, of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, 216 talk about the coming of the Lord. 23 of the 27 New Testament books talk about the coming of Jesus. So I just want to tell you, this is not about fear. This is about faith. Everybody say faith. Come on, everybody say faith. This is not about fear. This is about faith. And like I said before in Matthew 24, it's very important that we, uh, we understand this because I have believers that I serve God with, and they've served God for 30 years. They've got distracted. They've, they've done what the Bible says. The love of many is wax cold. They've, Jesus didn't come back on this particular time, and this didn't happen. And, and I'll tell you, it's easy to fall into that pit and that trap. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a bride. The Bible tells us this, and we're going to look at it today. He's coming, he's coming back for a bride. And you know what a bride does before a wedding? She gets ready. And they go crazy. And I get an amen, right? They go nuts. Listen, I'm not saying we go nuts. Some of y'all have. You need to stop being that way. But <clears throat> what does a bride do before she gets ready for a wedding, buddy? They're getting married in like, what, a couple weeks? Yay, there we go. I'm talking to y'all right now, all right? <laughs> um, what, do they, what does a bride do? Uh, they, they make phone calls. They, make, they, they plan things. They... Um, uh, they panic, right? 
No, we're not going to panic. We're not going to do that. Um, what do they do? They, they, they lose weight because they want to they fit inside of the dress. There's all these things that they're, they're, they're making plans ready for the wedding. And can I tell you, that's where we are as a church, that we've got to be that bride. We can't just sit on the fence. We've got to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And if you would go with me this morning, John chapter 14 and verse 1. It's where Jesus is about to leave the first time. And John 14, 15, and 16, it's talking about him giving the Holy Spirit to us. And, uh, in John 14, he talks about how the Holy Spirit remains close to us. But in verse 1, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Can I tell you, isn't that good news even today, the red letters of Jesus Christ? In 2022 of where we live today, I want to tell that single mom that's out there, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's not my words, that's Jesus' words. All right? I want to talk to you that maybe uh, a job assignment that's inside of your head right now of, of, of think all these things that are happening, you're having a hard time sleeping at night. I believe the Lord would have me to tell you the same words he told them in John chapter 14 and verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Come on, who needs to hear that this morning? Don't let your hearts be troubled. He said, believe in God and trust in him. Uh, believe also in me. Verse 2, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. I want you to think of the language here, that he's going to prepare a place. He's saying these earthly things and the things that are happening here, this is not what matters. But I'm going to a place that does matter. I'm not talking about the things, the here and now, but what does matter is eternity. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Does that sound scary? No. That's a story of faith. That's a story of love that he cares about us, that he's going to prepare it. And it says in verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again. All right. I will come back again. Pastor, you think Jesus is coming back? Yes. How many of y'all know Jesus is coming back? He said, and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you will be also. Isn't this good? This is not scary. This is good news. This is not a story of fear. This is a story of faith. That he cares so much about us, that he wants to be with us, that he wants to come back for us, that he wants to spend time with us. I will take you to myself so that where you are, there, the, there I will be also. So you got to understand this. Jesus, he, the Bible tells us, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the, uh, into the earth to pay the debt for you and I that we couldn't pay. So he sent him here, and 30 of the years, of the 33 years that Jesus was on the earth, he did not minister, but the Bible tells, or, or we see that he, uh, the last three years he began to minister. And then at the end of that, he died, they crucified him, he was buried, and on the third day, there was a resurrection. You guys failed. Come on. Isn't that good news? Every time you hear it, right? All right, let's try it one more time. He died. He was buried. I'm just going to remind, there's going to be some game that you're going to watch today, like the Saints, that you're going to get excited about, whether they win or lose, all right? And you get more excited about that, but I want us to be excited that he died. He was buried. And on the third day, he showed resurrection power. Come on. 
Man, am I in the Episcopalian church this morning? I'm trying to wake y'all up. All right. So, and then after, after he, he, he was resurrected in his resurrected body, he spent 40 days on the earth again before he ascended to the heavens. We're going to talk about that. But the last scripture that you'll see of him and on the earth was Acts 1.8. And it says this, and you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. He's saying that I'm leaving, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit that he talked about in John 14, 15, and 16, and you will be a witness. Can I tell you, in the last days, the biggest thing that we need to be is an example to our family. We need to be an example in our city. We need to be an example in our state. We need to be an example in our country. See, when I read this, I see that Jesus is all about country. Come on, from all the rednecks out there, you ought to be America. Come on. And that's why we celebrate it, because God wants us to be an example. God wants us to have a godly nation. God wants us to have a godly city. God wants us to have a godly county. Come on, you not, may not want one, but I want one for my kids, for my family. And I see that as a witness. But then in verse 9, let's read this together. I'm reading out of the Amplified. He said, and after he said these things, he was caught up. Everybody say caught up. Caught up. Caught uh, up. This word caught up means harpazo, and we're going to look at it in 1 Thessalonians. In fact, on TikTok, there's people out there that believe there is no rapture. I got news for you. There is a rapture. Even though it doesn't say the word rapture in the Bible, it doesn't say it. But it does say this word caught up, and it's the word harpazo, and it means to snatch. It means to grab. It's the Latin word rapture, where in the English we get rapture. We'll be caught up. He, or he was caught up, and they looked on, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. So he goes up through the clouds. While they were looking intently into the sky, he was going. As he was going, two men in white clothing suddenly stood beside them, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will return. I'm going to say that again. I told you this morning he's coming back, but we also see it right here. An angel clarified what Jesus said, that he said he will return in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So the same way that he left, same way he's coming back. And this was taken at the top of Mount Olives, and uh, this this is also the place of where he will return as well. But the reason I'm sharing this with you this morning is not only for you to be educated that Jesus is coming back, but there's also a job for us to do. Did you know this, that in the last 50 years, you can look this up, but in the last 50 years, there's more people that have been saved than any other time in history as far as percentage-wise. Now, I realize there's more people on the earth, but more people saved. But I also come to you sadly to tell you this. Of all the nations in the world, there's 15 nations are decline of people getting saved, and America's at the top. Can I tell you, there is full, and I'm going to talk about revival in all of this, but there is full-blown revival that's happening in places like China, places that they may not think that it's happening in, but there is revival that has happened. But if you're a believer, this should encourage you that we're in a time that people are coming to the Lord. In fact, this is, all of this should encourage you. 
I mean, there's so many people that are freaked out because you've heard some doctrines like, what about the mark of the beast? When I go to United, I'm going to have to put my forehead down there. Beep. Is there a mark? <laughs> or your wrist or I don't, you know. Here's the deal. This is why you need to read the Bible. All of that happens to unbelievers. We're going to be out of here. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you this. this. When the spirit of the Antichrist comes, the, the scripture is very clear. The, the, um, uh, the resistance that's keeping the Antichrist from on the earth is the spirit of God. Where does the spirit of God live? He lives inside of us. And as long as we're here, he can't come. And when the, when the Antichrist comes, when the mark of the beast comes. So when people are like, oh, the, uh, the COVID shot is the mark of the beast. Listen, if that were true, the Bible's messed up. We'd be gone. You hear what I'm saying? This is why it's so important that you understand the whole counsel of God. And don't follow the goofy stuff on the internet. Right, Doug? All right? Take your tinfoil hat off and get out of the basement. And let's wake up. Are you ready? Y'all ready to go through the word? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to start here. Verse 15. It says, for we say this to you by the Lord's word that we who are still alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will in no way precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, right away, you see the wording here in verse 15. It says, for we say this to you by the Lord's word. What's he talking about? He's talking about what we just read in John chapter 14, the words of Jesus of that he's coming back for us. That we who are still alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So those of you, loved ones that you know, that ask Jesus to be the Lord of their life, that they confess their sin and he was faithful and just forgiven them of their sin and cleanse them from all unrighteousness, that live that righteous life, they, their natural bodies, the Bible tells us this, and I don't have time to go into this, but we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Their natural body may have went in the ground, but their spirit stayed alive and still alive today. And it's in heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this is what he's talking about. But he says, um, those that are still alive, he's talking about us on the coming of the Lord. Those that are in the room that are still in their natural bodies, still awake. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down. Everybody say come down. He will come down from heaven with the shout of command, with the voice of the archangel, and the blast of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. He's talking about the Methodists right there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Episcopalians. No, I love the Methodists. Don't, don't. See, I, I said I wasn't going to, I said in the first service, and I said I wasn't going to say it in the second, but it's still. Uh, but how many of y'all know we live in a church that, we're in a church today that is alive and not dead and declares the works of the Lord. Amen. Where we can shout and clap and have a big time and not have our nose so far in the air where a 747 can fly up it. Then in verse 17, then we who are alive. So he's going to come down from heaven. There's going to be a shout, archangel, blast with the trumpet of God. Uh, the dead in Christ, those who are in the ground, they will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, that's us he's talking about, will simultaneously be caught up. Everybody say caught up. That's the rapture. That means to snatch. That means like karate kid. That's like playing spoons. Y'all know what I'm talking about. In fact, that word means that 
we're going to need him to snatch us up so quick because of the terrible things that are happening. We, we're going to say to the Lord, if you don't grab us and you don't grab us right now, this is going to be detrimental to us. We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. But look at the text. Read this. This is so good. This is where I want to say this is not scary. This is exciting. And so we will always be with the Lord. Why is he coming to get us? Because he desires to be with us. Because he wants to be with us. Because he wants to spend time with us. That's why he's coming. Verse 18, therefore comfort and encourage one another with these words concerning our reunion with believers who have died. Look at the language. Look at the text. It's loving. We're a family. We're a child of God. You know, I was trying to communicate this morning, but just talking about how the Lord loves us. I, I think about my kids. And you know, when they're your kids, I mean, think about them when they're babies, right? Like, their hands are like naturally sticky. Like, I just washed them. Well, they're sticky again. When you feed them, you know, when you give them that first cake when they're, they're one years old. And it's like the spirit of multiplication comes over them when they eat spaghetti. It's like there is more food in the room, on the ceiling, all over the place than ever was on the plate. It multiplies. Right? How I many of y'all have ever had kids or grandkids? I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It multiplies. And then you have teenage daughters that they just give you that look. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> they say things and they do things. But lean in here, parents. They mess things up and they. They do things that make you happy, and they do things that make you sad. But at the end of the day, Doug, you always go, but Matt's mine. Levi's mine. And that's what I wanted to share this morning is that with my kids, even though they make me upset and they make me mad and they make a mess, they're still mine. They belong to me. See, God wanted me to tell some of y'all that this morning. You may have made a mess. Your marriage may be a mess. Your finances may be a mess. But God wanted me to tell you this morning that you're his mess. He who began a good work in you will complete it and is faithful. Are you hearing me this morning? See, I want you to learn the text this morning that this is not a scary thing that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back because he desires to spend time with us, to protect us. To be with us. Are you hearing me this morning? See in Genesis chapter 1. It starts off real clear. It says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form of void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And you see that he created the fish, the plants, the animals, uh, the, the process of life. All of that stuff. He created man, women. And then um, he was in, in the garden of Eden. Here come the snake, the enemy. And he said did God really say. Can I tell you this morning. The enemy has no new tricks. That's the same trick he still uses today. Inside of our head. Did God really say. And that's where people fall. But then. That may have been at the beginning. The fall of man and all that stuff. Judgment. But Revelation 21. I just want to give you some more text. This is towards the end of the Bible now. And in verse 1, now there's lots of things that happened before this, but 
Listen to this when talking about the coming of Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So the heaven that is there now, the people that we have lost, there's going to be an even newer one that, and there's going to be a new earth. Thank God there's going to be a new earth. Aren't y'all thankful for a new earth? Where there ain't boys dressing up like girls and girls dressing up like boys? Come on, I'm, I'm thankful for a new earth where like the Cowboys win every game and when I play golf, I birdie every hole. Come on. There'll be no Republicans. There'll be no Democrats. There'll be no diseases of any kind. How many of y'all thankful for that? Isn't that good news? The first earth shall pass away and there is no longer any sea. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Now, he may... It may say this like this is a city or a place, but what he's talking about is talking about the saints, the dead and the, the living, coming down from heaven from God, arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. See the context here, that we're going to be arrayed like a bride. And then I heard the loud voice from the throne saying, see, the tabernacle of God is among you, and he will live among them. Listen to the text. Get the literature here. He wants to live among us, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. God desires to be with us. Then in verse 4, and he will wipe every tear from their eye, and there will be no longer death. There will be no longer insurance. Come on, somebody. Because there'll be no cancer. Aren't y'all thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning? He said, he goes on to say, there'll be no longer sorrow and anguish or crying or pain for the former order of things has passed away. How many of y'all know God's doing a new thing even now in the earth today? But my whole point of you seeing this is God longs to be with you. Let me say that again. God longs to be with you. Not just then, but he longs to be with you now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, I'm talking about some stuff that's going to happen in the future. But in that give you faith in your God that he not only knows our past, but he knows Jesucristo es el mismo ayer hoy y por los singulos. Amen. I'm talking to the Hispanics this morning. Come on. Today and forever. So, pastor, are we living in the last days? I don't want to be the crazy person and say, yes, you are. But I'll go ahead and be the crazy person and say, yes, we are. But the fact of the matter is this. Whether we're not living in the last days or we are, we're living in the only days that you have. I'm going to say it one more time. We're living in the only days that you have. And here's the deal. If you knew that, what would you change? Go with me. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm not going to be very long today, but First Thessalonians chapter 5. This is motivation to you and I. Now as the times and dates, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. Again, no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows the time. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the return of the Lord is coming just as a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains on a woman with a child, and they will absolutely not escape. So you know what this tells me? No one knows the day or the hour. 
But God does give us a season of when it will happen. Like think about a woman in labor pains. That means for nine months she hadn't had a baby. But what happens when they're in that ninth month? We've had a few of them at our house. You as a dad, you're like, Lord, deliver her from that child. (laughs) bring, Bring deliverance for the whole family in Jesus' name. But what are they doing? They're carrying. They're, they walk a different way. They not. I'm not making money women out there. Just Brandy because that's the way she did it. Okay? All right? That's, but that's my whole point. If you knew Jesus was coming back and there were signs of it, can I tell you, I believe we're in the ninth month. I believe you would walk a different way. Are you hearing me this morning? You would talk a different way. There's something you would have different about you. So we may not know the time or date, but we do know the season. And I'm telling you, I believe we're in the ninth month. It says in verse 4, But you believers are not in spiritual darkness, that the, over, that the day would overtake you. So this is what I'm doing today. I find it very heavy on my heart as a pastor to tell you is this. This is not something we run from. This is something we run to. And we don't need to be in the dark in this because for some reason you've been scared of this your whole life because it's been presented to you in a way that's been scary. I want to bring it to you in a light way that this is good news that Jesus is coming back for us. And I don't want to be the believer that's caught in the dark. I want to be the one that's in the light. And it goes on and it it says this, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. So then let us not sleep in as the rest, but let us keep wide awake and let us be sober. Can I tell the believers out there? It's time to be awake. Can I tell you, there's so many all out there of things that are happening right now in America. You are awake. And I'm not saying be woke. Don't be woke. Can I get an amen? Don't be woke. But you've got to be awake of the things that are happening. Like I said, I'm telling you, I'm all for nation. I'm, I'm all for this nation, the United States of America. And I'll fight for it to the end. To the end. But we need to be awake of what's happening. He tells us this right here. He says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and of love and as a helmet of the hope and confident assurance of salvation. For God has not destined us to wrath. Is this something scary? No, this is something awesome. He hadn't destined us to wrath. He says, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10. Who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we'll live together with him. See, there it is again. Jesus desires. Why is he coming back? Because he desires to be with us. That's why he says, therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing now. Three things. Pastor, what do I do? Jesus is coming back. We're in that season. Like I said, talking about the season, the ninth month, I'm telling you, I mean, it could be 10 years from now. I don't think it will be, but. It really could. It could be 20 years from now. For all I know, it could be 100. I'm just saying, out of the 2,000 years, we're in the ninth month. What do I do? 
Write these things down. I'm going to go to Peter here. 1 Peter chapter 4. Pastor, what do I do? The first one is this. You get right with God. There's a lot of y'all in here. You play church. It's time to stop playing. Let's be right with God. Look at what, what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. The end and culmination of all things is near. He's talking about the time we're living in today. He said, therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. For the purpose of prayer. You know, it's sad to me, especially in these times and days, when we call for a prayer meeting, and I want to encourage you, at the first of the year, we fast and pray. We did it for 21 days for a long time. I felt like that was a little extreme for all of y'all. So we we backed it down to 10 days. But what if you just fasted and prayed for 10 days out of 365? But we call for times of prayer. We have prayer meetings with the prayer team and different things that happen around here. We're thankful for the faithful 15 that show up. But I'm telling you, what would you do if you knew the day of the Lord was at hand? So number one, be right with God. Well, I want to share with you 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar. And the material elements be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Verse 11. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you ought to be? I want to ask you the same question this morning. If you knew the day of the Lord was at hand, What kind of person should you be? How should you talk? How should you live? How should you parent? I believe that changes everything. Number one, let's be right with God. Number two, I believe we see it in verse eight. He says, above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Verse nine, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Number one, be right with God. Number two, write this down, have godly relationships. He said, above all, fervent and unfailing love. If we knew we're in the last days, why would we continually bicker with one another? Why don't we walk in love? Here's a concept. Let's love one another. Amen? Like have godly relationships. Listen, I'm not saying you, you, you kick the relationships that aren't godly to the side, but I am telling you this. Be careful of who is influencing you of the things you're doing in your life. Are you hearing me? Be careful of those things. The Bible tells us this, confess your sins one to another. What does the Bible say in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24? Forsake not, the same, forsake not the assembling of saints together, especially when you see the day of the Lord approaching. What's he talking about? He's talking about the ninth month. It's very important that you assemble together. Listen, we're gonna have a, they're gonna have a ladies' night here Tomorrow night, it's where you can get godly relationships, hang out, have fun. They're going to laugh, aren't they? You're going to have a big time. Share the word, eat together, all of that stuff. Men, we're going to have a night in October. We're going to, at JNC Archery, we're going to throw axes. We're going to get along with one another. If you don't get along, there'll be axes there. <laughs> Vikings, come on. Oh, Lord. We're going to eat together. It's very important we have godly relationships. 
I'm gonna say that again. We gotta have godly relationships. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying, well, what if, listen, you need to be a light to some people in your life. I'm just, I'm telling you, be careful who you're eating fried chicken with. You see what I'm saying? Be careful of the people that are speaking into your life and have godly relationships. Number three is this. I believe we find it in verse 10. I'm almost done. It says, just as each one of you has received a special gift, read it up here, received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Listen, there's all of you in this room. You have gifts, you have talents. My last one is this, number three. We're gonna make a difference. See, in the last days, we're not gonna sit. And this is why I was so mad, you know, during the pandemic. Of course, they're gonna come after the church, right? But us as gifts, there's talents inside of the room. How do I prepare for Jesus to come back? Number one, you get right with God. Number two, you get godly relationships. And number three, you go out and make a difference. Just like us feeding the homeless. We, we've fed two uh, high school football teams already. I love that. I actually had the opportunity to go preach to the Randall uh, Raiders football team uh, last week. I loved it. We got to go out. We got to get out of these walls. We got to make a difference. We got to go out there. There's gifting on your life. There's things that you can do that God has gifted you with that you need to make a difference in your city, your society, in your family. Come on and send your feet. Get it. Also, too, I want to tell you, we have some groups back here. We have some connect groups of um, some Bible studies you can get involved in. We have some things coming up I want to share with you the next couple of weeks. But if, if you're interested in those, that's a great way to get godly relationships. The last thing that I want to share with you is this. How many of y'all got something out of the Word today? If anything, I hope you saw this, that this is not fear. This is faith. This is not fear. This is faith. Now, if you're not serving the Lord, it is fear. You better get things right. Last thing is this. Lean in on this. Give me a little more piano because I may even want to preach a little bit. The red letters of Jesus right here. The last words in your Bible, Revelation chapter 3, you know the story of when he comes to the Apostle John at the island of Patmos that he was exiled there. And Jesus in his glorified body, he shows up. In fact, he faints because of the power of God that comes into that cave. And he writes to him to write a letter to these seven churches. And the last church that he writes, and it's the very last red letters in the Bible to the church at Laodicea. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Actually, it says, I stand at the door and I continually knock. These are the last words of Jesus. Take this in. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come eat, come in, and I will eat with him and he with me. Can I tell you what Jesus is still doing today? He's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and saying, hey, I want to come in. I want to eat. You know what that reminds When Jesus comes back, that fires me up. I love food. Let's sit down and have some Brahms ice cream, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm ready for that milkshake right now. Come on. 
But this, this will bless you right here. I didn't even think about this till this morning, and I thought it was good enough from the first service to share it one more time. He's coming at because he wants to spend time with us. He wants to eat with us. And look at this. Look at this. Look at this. John chapter 20 and verse 6. So Jesus died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. Come on. Hallelujah. And in verse 6, so he's resurrected. He's out of the tomb. Simon Peter came up following him and went into the tomb and saw the linen wrapping neatly lying there. See, I just told you that when Jesus comes back, he desires to sit at a table with us. He desires to sit with us, to commune with us. But in this particular text right here, John points out the fact, the same thing that it means today, it meant back then in the Hebrew culture. When somebody would leave the table and they were not coming back to the table, they would just throw their napkin down. But John points out that his napkin was neatly folded and lying there. What did he paint a picture to you and I? That I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the table. He's coming back to the table. He's coming back to the table. So if I know he's coming back, I'm going to ask you this question again. What would you do different with your life? You know what I desire? I desire to catch to be at that table with me. That's my youngest son. I desire that Anson be at that table with me. I desire that Addison be at that table with me. I desire that Noel be at that table with me. I desire that my cousins be at that table with me. I got some in the room today. I desire that my aunts and uncles be at that table with me in Jesus. I desire that my neighbors be at that table with me. I desire that leaders in this nation. That's why Christians, more than ever, we've got to speak the truth in love. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for the word of God. Because Jesus is coming back. Y'all be here the next couple of weeks. Because I'm going to be sharing real clearly with you. Thank you, sir real clearly with you that he is coming not only is he coming but there is signs of the times that are happening today how many of y'all going to commit to be here over the next couple of weeks all right all right praise the lord take out your communion we're going to end this way first corinthians chapter 11 it all goes in with the topic of what we're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says this. Go ahead and take your bread out. Verse 25. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are claiming of the Lord's death until he comes again. So God, we take of this bread today. And we thank you for your body that was broken for each and every one of us. We thank you for the, the thorns that were in your head and the 39 lashes that were across your back. Your body that was broken for each and every one of us. And so, Lord, today as we celebrate the body, I pray, Lord, that there is something that happens right here in this body.
this body of Christ. And so, Lord, we do this now in remembrance of what you did then, but also of what you're going to do. You're coming back for the church. So we take of your body. Go ahead and take the bread. Lord, as we celebrate the blood, we thank you, Lord. We, ne- we choose to never come in here and not celebrate the blood. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers a multitude of sin. We also thank you, Lord, that the blood speaks out, that it ministers to us. Thank you that the blood, that your strength of your blood flows into our weakness. And I pray, God, right now, Lord, that this would not just be something we do as repetition, as something that we do as, as a system. But God, I pray that supernaturally, Lord, as we drink of this blood, I pray for healing that's taking place in people's bodies. Restoration that's happening in people's lives and marriages and relationships. I pray, God, right now, Lord, even over our nation and things that are affairs, current affairs. Lord, we put it under the blood and we thank you, God, for what you did then and what you're going to do again in Jesus' name. One last thing. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, there's four people in the room. The first one is this. These are people that are saved. The Bible tells us, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess, uh, confess through the mouth of the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that he died on the cross and on the third day rose again, he come live on the inside of you. The first people that are in the room are people that are saved. They've asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life. They talk differently. They walk differently. Everything's different about them because of Jesus living on the inside of them. Then there's, I believe there's a second group of people in the room. There's people that used to be like number one that were saved. But because of like messages like this, that your heart's grown dim and cold and you've lost your first love and you've walked away from the Lord. And now number people that are number one, you're kind of annoyed by them because you feel like they're holy rollers but like like I said the second people in the room is people that were you still go through the motions but you've lost that love that you had for Jesus that you did at one time then I believe there's a third group of people in the room there's people in here that you think you're saved but your actions don't show it your lifestyle doesn't show it you're the people that God says this in in, in that eternal judgment they'll say Lord Lord but he says to you I never knew you and just because your daddy was saved your grandpappy was saved it doesn't mean that you're saved and you blend in with number two and you don't get number ones but then there's a fourth people in the room you're in here and you're not saved and you're not saved because well You've seen the hypocritical lifestyle of number two and number three. I'm just here to tell you today. People, if you base your walk with Christ based on people, it'll always fall short. My whole point this morning was not to look at my opinion, not of what I say, but what of Jesus says. I want to tell those people, number, the number twos, the number threes, number fours. Your life may be a mess, but God still says this. You're my mess. And I want to forgive you of that mess. And I want to make your life clean, white as snow. He said, I want to take your heart 
of stone and I want to make it a heart of flesh. But only I can do that if you give it to him. If you're in the room and say, you know what, that's me. I'm either two, three, or four. I want to pray for you. Who is that? Just lift your hand. Just be bold this morning. Just be bold. Lift your hand. I'm two, I'm three, or I'm four. Praise God. I see some hands. Amen. Is there any more? I'm two, I'm three, or I'm four. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You were buried. And on the third day, you rose again. Come live in my life, Jesus. Come be inside my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Lord, from this day forward, I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.